Hello, and welcome back to Latin 2 from the Church of St. Agnes. Today we're going to work on our exercises, our homework for Unit 15. I hope you're having a good week and you've been able to study your Latin. I see that there are close to 50 people who have begun listening to the Latin 2 class, and I'm very happy about that. I hope that if you have questions, you will send them my way, um, and I'm hoping that these homework review sessions, uh, where we go over the sentences that were assigned, will be helpful in explaining all of the grammatical points of the previous chapters. So without further ado, let's dig into our exercises for Unit 15 on pages 123 and 124 in the Collins book. Again, we were doing the even-numbered exercises, so we start with number two. Ioannis viam domini paravit, multi iureorum corde contriti, a Ioanne baptisma aque acceperunt. Jesus quoque ad Ioannem venit in baptisma. Secundum Ioannem debemus Jesum vocare anium dei. Well, there we have a quite lengthy sentence. Uh, and the first uh, part is that John prepared viam domini, the way of the Lord, or the Lord's way, right? Uh, pretty straightforward. The second little part, uh, phrase, multe iureorum, many of the Jews. There you see again the Jews in the genitive, uh, what your book considers a partitive genitive. Many of the Jews, corde contriti, that describes the Jews. Contriti, notice, modifies multi. Contrite in heart, an ablative of description, corde. Where are they contrite? in respect or in description to their heart. A Ioane baptisma aque acceperun. They received or accepted from John, a Ioane, baptism of water. Okay? That's a genitive description, really, isn't it? A baptism of water. Baptisma there is neuter, so it's the, uh, it's the accusative. Jesus... Quoque also venit came ad Ioannem to John in baptism or for baptism here, probably better. Literally into baptism, uh, but probably better here for baptism. Secundum Ioannem, according to John, debemus, we ought, vocare, to call Jesum, Jesus, anium dei the Lamb of God. Notice, we ought to call Jesus, and then we have that thing that we call the predicate accusative, or in English, an objective complement. We ought to call Jesus the Lamb of God. Notice that Jesum is in the accusative as the direct object of vocare, and anium uh, agrees with it in case, anium. We ought to call Jesus the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is Jesus, so they're in the same case. Okay, that's a, a long sentence with several smaller clauses. Uh, I think that it's fairly straightforward. Um, 
and uh, it, it illustrates several of our genitives, as well as the accusative that we talked about earlier in, the le in, the, in lesson or unit 15. Let's take a look at number four. In primis ad ambonem lector primum lectionem lege, hinc cantor canticum cantabit. Again, a fairly straightforward sentence. At first or in the beginning, uh, in primis, right? The lector is the subject. Notice he's in the nominative. That's a third declension noun. Lector, legit, right? He will read, that's the future tense. Lego is a third conjugation verb. E is the sign of the future. The, the reader will read primum lectionem. The first reading, ad ambonum, at or near the ambo, okay, or the uh, dais, or the, the uh, stand there where the speaker stands, ambo. Um, now notice, what we have here is we have someone reading a reading. This is what we call the cognate accusative. He will read the first reading. Then the second part of the sentence, hinc cantor canticum cantabit. Here and then, from there or from then, the cantor will sing the song or the canticle. Notice we have cantor canticum cantabit, all from the same root, canto cantare, to sing. Canticum is the thing sung. Cantor is the person doing the singing. O-R in Latin is the suffix that makes a doer, someone who does something. Um, so we have again a uh, cognate accusative. The singer will sing the song. <laughs> uh, there you have it. So that again, fairly straightforward, but illustrating points of grammar from this lesson. Uh, number six, ad pascam laiti sumus, quoniam per resurrectionem redemptoris effecti sumus, Nove vite participes. Okay, so the first part of the sentence, ad pascam laiti sumus. We are happy or joyful, laiti sumus. We are, and laiti, notice it's plural nominative. We are happy, ad pascam, at Easter time, at Easter. Quoniam, since per resurrectionem redemptoris, through the resurrection of the Redeemer, Effecti sumus, we have become. This is from efficio, a cognate of facio, facio, efficio, facio. Effecti sumus, we have become. And we have a predicate nominative then, because becoming is like the verb to be. Remember when the verb to be or verb like it is used in the sentence, we often have a predicate adjective or a predicate nominative. We have become, what have we become? Participes, participants, sharers, nove vite of new life. So we are happy at Easter since through the resurrection of the Redeemer, we have become participants of new life or in new life, we say. Okay, very good. Let's take a look at eight. Fugatur caligo, caligo iniquitatis. Lumen Christi acuntis hominibus 
videtur, alleluia. Okay, so caligo is the subject, third declension. If you didn't know that, you might think that O was an ablative or a dative in the second declension, but it's caligo caliginis. It means mist or darkness or uh, shadowiness. So the mist of or the gloom of iniquity. Notice iniquitatis is in the genitive. The gloom of iniquity, fugator. Let it be uh, put to flight. Let it, let it go away, fugator. Fugo means to put to flight. Let it be chased away. Let it be banished. Lumen Christi, the light of Christ, videtur, is seen acuntis hominibus, by all people, by all men, by all human beings. Acuntis hominibus, in the ablative with a, an ablative of agent, with the passive verb videtur. Remember that videtur could also mean seem, but here it's the literal meaning of video, to see. So we have the mist or the gloom of iniquity being banished and the light of Christ being seen by all men. Alleluia. This, of course, refers to uh, Easter uh, when we talk about the light of Christ, Lumen Christi, when we light our candles at the vigil service. Okay, and remember the deacon walks down the aisle and in three separate spots he says, Lumen Christi, we all sing, Deo gratias, the genuflect to get back up. And as he moves down toward the altar, uh, more and more candles are lit and the, and the church from darkness becomes uh, light and uh, signifying, of course, the light of Christ. Beautiful ceremony. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at number 10. Misi meum corpus mandu caveritis et biberitis meum sanguinem in regnum celorum non intrabitis. Okay. Uh, now here we have a condition. If you see the nisi or the si, that's a, certainly a sign of a condition coming. And if we look at our verbs, we say that manduca veritis and biberitis are future perfects. And then if we look in the apodosis or the conclusion of the condition, we have intrabitis, which is future. So when we have a future or a future perfect in the protosis or the if clause, and a future in the apodosis or the then or conclusion clause, we have what we call a future more vivid condition. Remember, we talked about this last time. Often in Latin, the C clause or the protasis of the condition will have a future more, I'm sorry, a future perfect uh, tense because that action, even though in the future, logically precedes the future of the conclusion. So here, unless you will have eaten my body, manduca veritis, meum corpus, et biberitis, and you will have drunk meum sanguinem, my blood, then the conclusion, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Regnum celorum, the kingdom of heavens, literally it says, but often uh, heaven is uh, in the plural in Latin, 
and we would say in the, into the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter into, in plus the accusative, into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so a future, a future more vivid condition, future indicative in both clauses, or a future perfect indicative in the if clause, and a future in the uh, then or conclusion clause, the apodosis. So unless you shall have eaten, you will have eaten my body and will have drunk my blood, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Number 12. Propter Christi victoriam mortis aula letis hymnis personui. Now this is an interesting one. Look at the phrase. Propter Christi victoriam mortis. Okay. Propter takes the accusative. It's a preposition, as you know. It takes the accusative. So our accusative object of the preposition propter is uh, obviously victoria, on account of the victory. Now notice we have Christi on one side, we have mortis on the other. These are two genitives, aren't they? And take a look at the first one. Propter Christi victoria. And that's pretty obvious. On account of the victory of Christ or we would say Christ's victory. That's a subjective genitive. He's the person, the victory belongs to him, right? It's Christ's victory. We could say on account of the victory of Christ, or we could say on account of Christ's victory. And then we follow that victorium in Latin with mortis. Now, the victory of death. Now, certainly, it's not death's victory here, is it? But rather, it's a... It's a um, uh, objective genitive, it's the victory over death. So we would say on account of Christ's victory of death or over death, that's our propter clause. Then we have the subject, aula. First declension noun, the hall. Uh, I imagine talking about the church hall, aula. It personuit, it sounded with lightis hymnis, with uh, happy or joyous hymns. Okay, so on account of Christ's victory over death, the hall or room uh, sounded with uh, happy or joyous hymns. Um, there, an illustrative example of both an objective and a subjective genitive. And uh, if you didn't if you had this totally out of context or didn't know um, what we were talking about here, about Easter and Christ's victory over death, you might construe this strangely, saying something like death's victory. But that technically, although you could translate it that way, it wouldn't be right in the context. So as I told you when we talked about, originally talked about uh, subjective and objective genitive, you have to sometimes determine which kind of genitive it is by uh, its context. And here, obviously, we know the context. Okay, let's take a look at uh, number 14 on page 124. Petrus primus Jesum vocavit Christum, quam quam Petrus multa non civit, vidit quod Jesus erat dominus. Okay, so Peter... First, notice, primus modifies Petrus. We wouldn't say the first Peter, but it talks about him uh, as being the first in a series. 
Peter first vocavi. There's your verb. He called Jesus, Yesum. What did he call Jesus? An objective complement here. Predicate, uh, predicate noun, uh, predicate complement. He called him Christum. He called him Christ. So there you have your predicate accusative again. Peter first called Jesus Christ, the Christ. Christ, Christum, of course, Christus in Greek and Latin, the anointed one, right? Quam, quam, although Petrus, although Peter, multa non civit, although he did not know multa, many things. Remember, adjectives can stand alone as nouns even, multa in the neuter, many things. Vidit, he saw or realized, quote, that Jesus erat Domus, that Jesus was the Lord. Okay, so uh, it's kind of an indirect statement there, introduced by quote. He saw or realized that Jesus was Lord. Okay, that's a fairly straightforward one. Uh, let's take a look at uh, 16. Ioannes, Jesu cordi proximus. A dexteram Mariae astiti. So we see Ioannis there in the nominative, and he's modified by proximus, John, proximus cordiesu. He is what? Closest, very close to the cordi. There's your dative with certain adjectives. You are close to something. So he is closest or nearest to the cordiesu. To the heart of Jesus. Remember, Jesus uh, has that strange declension, and this happens to be the genitive here. John, closest to the heart of Jesus, astitit. He stood ad dexteram Mariae. He stood near the right hand or the right side of Mary. Uh, this probably refers to Jesus uh, at hanging on the cross. Uh, when the other disciples fled, John was the faithful one who stood next to uh, the Blessed Virgin. So there we have it. Very, very straightforward, I think. And uh, I'm sure you figured that one out. Uh, how about 18? Jesus, Redemptor Humani Generis, Precunctis Ubique Laudatur. So we have Jesus right there standing first in the sentence as the subject. And we have an appositive. What is Jesus? He is the Redemptor Humani Generis. Notice the Redemptor is also in the nominative. It's an appositive. It's filling out. It's referring to Jesus in another way, right? So Jesus, the Redeemer of the human race, Humani Generis. Precunti subique laudator. Your verb laudator is praised. Pre means above or beyond in place of. Uh, before all things ubique, always everywhere, right? So, so Jesus is always praised uh, beyond all kunktis, probably all things here. Uh, it could be all humans or all people because the is ending can be masculine, feminine, or neuter, right? So kunktis pre takes the ablative. Okay, very good. Uh, number twenty. Per boni domini largitatem, plena est mensa nostra cibo. Okay. P 
pair, when, as soon as you see pair, you need to think about an accusative object. Boni domini is not an accusative, but largitatem is. So there's your phrase. Through the largesse or the generosity of the good Lord, boni domini. Notice boni domini in the, in the genitive singular, largitatem in the accusative, because it's the object of pair, right? Okay, so through the uh, through the generosity of the good Lord, through the generosity of the good Lord, uh, the subject of the sentence is mensa nostra. Our table is plena cibo, is full of food or full with food. Plenus uh, um in Latin, an adjective, modifies mensa, table. Plena, plenus a um is followed normally in Latin either by the genitive or by the ablative as it is here. Pleni sunt celi et terra. Remember that one? Gloria tua. We say that in Latin. Heaven and earth are full with your glory. So there we see as here, plena with the ablative, plena cibo, full with food. Okay, we'd say full of food. All right, let's take a look at 22. Audi visti quia cuncte creature amari primum venerunt. So we have, we start off with the verb audi visti from audio, and we see that vi with the sign of the perfect tense. Have you heard quia or quod will introduce uh, an indirect statement in um, uh, medieval or church Latin? Have you heard that? Cuncte creature. There's your subject in the nominative plural. All creatures. Amari primum venerunt. Venerunt, there's your verb. And we see that long E there with an erunt ending. We see that that's the perfect tense. Have you heard that all creatures have come from venio? Amari, from the sea. Primum modifies, there's your at, that's an adverb that modifies the verb venerunt, that they have first come from the sea. Have you seen that all creatures first came from the sea? Amari. Notice mari in the ablative, it's an I stem, one of your rare ablative I stem neuter nouns, and it ends in I. All right. Very good. Let's take a look at 24. Humani qui in mundo vivimus laudamus patrem qui mundum condidit. So we see that humani starts the sentence, meaning human beings, but then we note in the qui clause, a relative clause, qui in mundo vivimus. Vivimus is first person plural. So the humani refers to we, we humans who live in the world, we humans who live in the world, qui in mundo vivimus, laudamus patrem, we praise the Father. And then that's followed again by another relative clause, qui, referring back to the Father, who condidit, who founded or established or created mundum, the world. It's a fairly straightforward sentence. So we humans who live in the world praise the Father 
who founded or created or established the world. And the verb condo. Okay. Number 26. Mariam reginam celi vocamus, quoniam est mater dei. Okay, so we see Mariam starting the sentence in the accusative, and then we see reginam celi. So we call Mary the queen of heaven, right? So that is uh, one of those predicate accus accusatives. Uh, sometimes we call it an objective complement. We call Mary queen of heaven, since or because est mater dei, because she is the mother of God or God's mother. So that's, a, again, a, a fairly straightforward one. And notice that Mariam, which is the object of vocamos, we call Mary, what do we call her? Regina. They're in the same case, both in the accusative, because Regina, big equal sign, Mary. Mary equals the queen of heaven. We call her the queen of heaven since she is the mother of God. Let's take a look at number 28. Eterno cibo manducato. Rationem subdimus ante mise finem. Now, here we have one of these constructions that we talked about last time, and which I'm promising during the next lesson, the next unit, I will explain in great detail. This is an ablative absolute. You see an ablative case standing out there, set off by commas, with a noun and a participle. That's the sign it's an ablative absolute. For now, let's just simply... Do it in a literal fashion. Eternal food having been eaten. Notice chibo is from uh, the word for food in the, in the ablative. Eternal modifies it. And manducato is the perfect passive participle of manducare, to eat. So eternal food having been eaten. Orationem. This is the circumstances under which the main verb will occur. Orationem subdimus. We add or add on a prayer ante mise finem, before the end of Mass. So this is talking about the post-communion prayer, right? We call it post-communion because it happens after the communion. After we've received communion, the priest and we pray the post-communion prayer. So eterno cibo manducato. The eternal food having been eaten already, that's done. Under those circumstances, we add or append to put on subdo from do, subdo. We put on or add an oration or a prayer, ante, before, ante takes the accusative, finem, and mise is the genitive, before the end of mass. There you have that one. We'll go back, as I promised, Last time, and again this time, the next unit, I will go in some greater detail about this clause that is used in Latin called the ablative absolute. We'll talk in great detail about that. Let's look at number 30. Dominus mentes nostras ad superna desideria erigit. So we see Dominus. I hope you're starting to think in Latin when you read a sentence. You should always read it out loud before you go uh, on to translating. Because if you do, certain grammatical 
um, pieces of the sentence will fall into place for you. When you see Dominus, your mind should immediately think subject because of the U.S. ending. Mentes nostras, you can see that has to be accusative. Odd, there's your preposition, and you have to remember, odd takes the accusative. Then there is the accusative that follows, superna desideria, and the verb, erigit. So there you have the sentence already figured out. Dominus, the subject, erigit. The Lord raise, has, uh, he raises, um, picks up. Uh, erigit means to stand up. He stands up, mentes nostras, our minds, ad superna desideria, to or toward supernal desires or heavenly desires. Superna are the things above, right, as opposed to inferna, the things below. So he turns our minds, he raises our minds to eternal desires. Uh, a straightforward sense. Nice, read that one off in English, in Latin, and you should be able to form um, those grammatical chunks in your head and see how it all falls into a, a sort of perfect sense with the subject, the object, the prepositional phrase, and the verb at the end. And our final one. Aroramus quod shimus quia salus exudeis est. Adoramus, the verb, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> we adore, quod shimus, what we know, or because we know. Either one, we adore because we know, or what we know, that salvation is from the Jews. There you have that sentence, um, pretty straightforward, we adore because or what we know, or because we know that salvation is from the Jews. This is a, um, a quote, or at least a uh, approximation of a quote from the fourth <clears throat> chapter of John's Gospel, when Jesus says, salvation is from the Jews. And again, that's a fairly straightforward sentence, and not a very difficult Okay, so that completes our even-numbered exercises. Uh, a lot of good practice there. I hope that um, my explanations and translations have been clear to you. I've tried to point out uh, all of those places uh, where our uh, examples uh, are illustrative of the grammatical points that we studied in Unit 15. Um, and uh, if you want extra practice, you can always go back and do the odd number sentences. Um, I don't want to overwhelm you with homework, but we do need to practice. Remember, the more Latin you read, the more practice you get, the better you, you become. Um, so do as much as you can. If you have any questions on this, don't forget, you're always free to drop me an email at may, may, M-A-Y, at stoloff, S-T-O-L-A-F dot E-D-U, and I'll be glad to answer them the best I can. Um, I, I, one of the nice things about doing the uh, these podcasts and audio uh, instruction is the fact that uh, you don't have to be present in class, of course, and there's a, uh, a downside to that. It's always nice to 
have class in person where I can write things on a board and explain them face to face as questions come up. But the nice thing about having this on the uh, St. Agnes site is that uh, if you have a busy week and you can't quite get to your lessons, you can always go back and do it and, and do catch up work. Or you can go back and review it again and again as many times as you want. You can stop, start, go back, do the exercises, and uh, it will be on the site there for some time so that if you do happen to fall behind, you can go on the site, catch up, and um, do as much or as little as you can at a particular time, and always return. So uh, remember that, and don't become discouraged if, uh, if you have a busy week and you, you can't make it to, uh, to class every week uh, on your computer. You can put off uh, a little bit and maybe do two lessons in one week when you have more time. In any, in any uh, regard, um, these lessons are on there. They'll be posted. And um, this one uh, will review for you our sentences from Chapter uh, 15. And on Sunday, again, we will post uh, our next unit. So it's been a pleasure again being with you. Don't forget, if you have questions, Drop me a note, uh, and uh, we'll proceed with answering. And if uh, I get a question that happens to be a kind of universal question, I'll be sure to raise that on the next recording. I hope you have a great week. Uh, God bless you, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.